the Demon Dust Podcast, dedicated to the His Dark Materials, BBC, HBO television series, based on the works of Philip Pullman, is hosted by Travis Bryant and Rich Fan II, powered by the South Congress Podcast Network. Episode of the Demon Dust Podcast. This is uh, a review of Episode Five, The Lost Boy of His Dark Materials, Season One. I'm your host, Travis Bryant, and with me, per usual, is Rich Fan. Rich, what's going on, my man? Not much. Just uh, trying to figure out who was cutting onions in my house. Well, there were certain. I don't know what. I don't know. You know, the heat's been been on, and events may be kicking out some dust. But there were like certain moments throughout the hour where it's like mm, maybe the heat kicked in again because it's all of a sudden, you know, dusty or my my, my seasonal allergies. And nope, oh, I, I, I stubbed my toe again uh, for the third time in an hour. What is this salty discharge for my eyes? <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh man, I must have like just had a railway spike shank me in the you know little pinky toe, and it was uh, it was emotional at times uh, in a in a in a very good way. Um, some in some ways, I thought they did themselves a disservice and took some of the emotion out of some things. And 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 that's going to be a something I don't want to say a running theme uh, throughout this review for me, but this was the most you know I had the most issues with this episode. You know, five mm-hmm. episodes in, it was like, oh, finally I can like complain about oh I didn't like how they did this from the book and you know that kind of thing. And I might yeah. have, I might have a little in the in the previous episodes, but this one it feels like oh there was they were just uh, not a ton it wasn't like oh there's so many things they're just uh, the things that were they just they felt uh, they just you know lost some some angst and some emotional bang and impact and um, yeah the fishing village is one when they get to the lost boy the, the namesake of the episode. And the chapter, actually, I think the book was the chapter of this. Uh, the name of this chapter was the Lost Boy, um, but but we'll we'll get to it. It'll be fairly fairly obvious uh, when we get there. But overall, still a, a, a fantastic episode, very emotional in 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 parts um, where it needed to be. It was. I think Friday thought it was a little heavy on the exposition, but. I thought it was necessary, or yeah. the, the little stuff she complained about, like Pan saying, "Is that who I think it is?" Like, well, I mean, <laughs> who'd you think, bro? That might be what someone would say. It's not like so out of the question, but but I, I, I think they had to they had to explain some things, and I think they did it in a conversational way, which wasn't too for me. She reads a ton, so she's super familiar with. Exposition, <laughs> I, I I have to imagine, but but still, it's um, 
I thought I thought for me personally it was it was it was a okay. I I don't mind coming from look I watched you know the Passions for four five years. Uh, yeah. Watched Days of Our Lives for twelve. <laughs> We're big pro wrestling fans. Like exposition isn't exactly a bad thing like when a bad guy when someone's having an argument with someone in you know on passions or something and you know the, the one character storms out of the room after a heated argument and the in the heel the bad guy who's left in the room turns around and goes Carolyn, you just wait till I get my hands on that insurance paper. You know, it's like, who are you talking to? (laughs) But, you know, you have to hear his thoughts and, uh, yeah. (laughs) So I'm not, it's not a, I'm okay, I'm okay, and they are not soapy or that <laughs> bad at writing and being creative with it in in, in this show. So overall, uh, Rich, thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. How are you feeling about? Oh, thumbs five? up. I, I like the emotional weight of the episode, particularly at the end. I enjoyed uh, Serafina Pecola. I really, 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 really liked the part with my boy and his mom because that was just. Well, the both, I guess, two the, the parallels of a boy and his mother. We're talking were, about Will and Elaine Perry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Will and Elaine, and then uh, the the ending uh, where all the allergies kick in, and I don't know who that young man is as far as an actor, but that was just I felt miserable by the end of that, in the best way. Like for his his skills as an actor just made me feel like I'm watching a little kid like pass on, and that was not a good feeling. Yeah, I mean, because we had to watch a little kid pass on. I mean, that was, that was, uh, but again, to even imagine what it would have been like if, so I was tipped off in episode one when Lyra and Roger were in the crypts and they, 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 they bought that scene early to, you know, it's a scene they had in the books, but it just did it a little different, put it earlier in the story, but they didn't do the thing with the coins so later when you see in the the next episode or the episode after the uh, first two or three episodes when you see Boreal in the crypts and he realizes the grooming skull wasn't Stanislaus grooming it's somebody else like oh they're they're faking or they're being tricked but this definitely isn't his in those skulls in the books in the the skulls in the books in the crypts had uh, coins in them and they had the person and on one hand like heads and your tail the tails of the coin was like your demon like if you had a hawk or you know pigeon demon it'd be like some kind of bird or you know whatever whatever like print pressed on a coin mm-hmm. and they didn't do it so in the books lyra steals one of the coins against rogers <laughs> rogers like don't do that like that's crazy you can't do that they're gonna spirits are gonna get you and she's like that's bunch of bullcrap and in the middle of the night like the guy spirit or somebody one of the scholars that 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 scholar came to visit her and torment her and she's like "Ah!" and she ran back to the crypts in her pajamas and no shoes on and put the coin back immediately so once they didn't as she should as she should of course but once they didn't do anything with the coin when they were in the crypt in episode one with roger and lyra i said oh if they do the 
Lost, if they do the Lost Boys scene, they can't go but so far. Like, because if they... Because what the, the connection is there was no little fish. The, the fish head as a uh, dried piece of fish in the book, Tony Macarios, not Billy Costa, uh, held on to it because he had no demon. And he was pretending that the fish, the dead fish, was his demon. God. Yeah. Oh and, my God! I yeah, that. Oh, so, I, if they so, had done that, I would have been out of here. Right. So again, so when they and I'm just, it's like literally a connection. You're like, well, there's still. What are you talking about? There's no coin yet, Travis. Uh, well, when she gets back to when when Tony dies in the books, like Roger did in the episode, or like Billy did in the episode tonight, Tony Macarios dies. Lyra goes to see his body, and she's like. Where's where's his fish? Where's his demon? You know, and uh, the two Egyptian guys that were like in charge of him were like, "Oh, you're talking about the? We like took it away and threw it to the dogs." And Lyra was incensed and went off and was like, "I'll cut your lungs out!" And you know, then she was just spitting and cursing at him, and they were just like, "We didn't know, sorry." Then she takes a coin. She finds she rummages to her stuff and finds a coin, and she scratches Rata on the coin, mm-hmm. and she puts it in the kid's mouth before they do the. I, I think they did the same type of funeral thing, a pyre. So it was like boom, boom, boom. You know, connect. I was like, they're not gonna do that. That coin's not gonna come back, and if they do the Lost Boy scene, which is going to make that Lost Boy scene less impactful and here we are episode five the lost boy and we get to that scene and there's no little there's no no fish that he's holding on for a demon there's no coin to play to that she's paying homage to uh, so it's only things that uh book readers or even you know that that would notice uh, and probably i'm um, maybe not a lot of people care but it just Again, the things that they changed in this episode just happened to bother me more than the things they they changed in other episodes. Like Benjamin DeRoyter died in a whole different way in the book, but you know it was yeah. fine and it worked. And but so it's just a personal thing. I don't want to. It didn't bring down the episode. It just could have been so much more oomph. We're talking about t- being teary-eyed and emotional. Imagine with that extra added part of uh part of the psychology how it would have uh, how it would have felt and that also would have given some weight especially how they depending on how they timed it in the episode to her uh chat when they were in the woods together and she was like i'm part bear i can be tough i'm hard that was another one like that that well, was like well well wait when she says i'm part bear wait, yeah she's I'm like missing? i'm part bear and i'll prove it to you at some point yeah, the bear stuff I had an issue with, and it's, it could still happen when she has the conversation later with Yorick about tricking bears. Yeah, and they didn't do, they didn't go the extra. Yeah, they let, needed to lay that. Yeah, let's let's we'll get to it in time. Let's. Uh, yeah, and 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 I thank everybody who hung in there with our podcast from last week, uh, the marathon that was uh, episode four, uh, armor. Um, we promise. Um, and we won't uh, we'll go two hours. 
You just yeah, go no Emerald hour, City. Just go an hour and fifty-five minutes. That's all. All right. Yes. Let's uh, let's let's start. We open things with we're north. They, the 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 pack is headed north. I wrote my notes. Oh, we're going north north, and it's just glaciers and tundra and. They've got many tanks, like sledges with tank wheels pulling their stuff. They've got York, a big giant bear, being able to be there and physically just uh, be a workhorse, a work bear, and and pull sledges and, and up hills and up cliffs and all kinds of stuff. So they're making their way. There's ragtag band of, of Egyptians and a bear and an aeronaut and, and a, an alethiometer reader. And... Um, Lee is being a whole piece. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to. In this, in this instance, he didn't want to get off his ass. He complained about having bunions, and why walk when you can slid? Uh, but later, he did put in some work, some physical work. And we know, as an aeronaut, it's not like you're. You can just get by with being, you know, lazy. You know. Yeah. So I, I think in this moment he just was being silly, and then he literally just was like, "My feet hurt, fam. Just, just let me enjoy some comfort, Lyra." Um, and we got still got Kaiser uh, overhead watching. Um, they, they know, so it's not a secret. Like at the end of the episode, it felt last week. It felt like Kaiser was like, "All right, I'm gonna go off and I'm gonna head out." And then she was still, or he was still uh, hanging out watching them. But that's his job, and we learn later from Serafina that that's his, uh, that's his mission. So he's there hanging out, and then we get Will, and we get a, we get a narrative overlaid that uh, you know about uh, there's a boy and a girl, and their fates are going to intertwine and meet, and they have you know they're, they're going to save the world. I mean, not those those words. But it was just kind of this, uh, you know, take note narration. And I'm not sure if they've yeah. done that in, since episode one. And I think that was all text when they opened the show with, this is a world that exists, and it's kind of like ours, and it's kind of not. This was sort of that, but obviously a, a, a voice narration. Right. And again, going back to your original point at the beginning of this about how they decided to go with extra exposition, I didn't mind the narrator because I feel like that kind of gave us a little establishment in terms of where we were going. And for the people who hadn't read the books, oh, okay, this makes sense. I I would tend to to agree, yeah. Cause, yeah, yeah, sorry about that. I mean, it's, it's pretty straightforward because it's like I, I think about this like I, I, I'm trying to think about this show especially because I honestly and this isn't uh, a shade on uh, D or whatever those idiots are in Game of Thrones. But like I feel like especially given the relationship between Thur and show, I'm getting more enjoyment out of this than I did Game of Thrones because while there are differences they're giving you enough so that you can understand what's missing without making you miss it if that makes sense like we didn't get rata but we got that emotion pulled out of us so i feel like it's still kind of mission accomplished same thing with the overview you give that voiceover and you're giving enough pieces so that people are in the know without giving them so much that they feel like they're listening to internal monologue 
or without having to make an hour and a half episode. Because right. You're just trying to fit fit so much in, like that just cuts out. Yeah. Um, and it's just logical, like, hey, we're about to introduce this whole new character right at the midway point of the season that you've never met, and we're about to put a lot of weight on him and give him a lot of screen time, and we don't want people all episodes like, who's this kid again? Like, who? Are we? <laughs> you know, and why is he in the uh, uh, our world so um, yeah so just a, a, a quality opening uh, well the, the, the opening hadn't ended yet we, they, we go to uh, Will's and, Will and Elaine his mother Will and Elaine Perry's apartment <laughs> and Elaine is waiting on the balcony and waiting for Will and he, he arrives and meanwhile, Boreal and his henchmen, henchman, are in a car watching the whole thing. So they're, the henchman is giving him the rundown on, he comes home for lunch every day from school and watches over and checks on her, and he pretty much takes care of her. And Boreal's like, what? There's nothing, nobody involved, no government agencies. He's like, nope, no social services, no welfare people, no, you know, nothing like that. And he's like, so nobody's going to come looking for them. <laughs> And you're just like, oh, Oreo, don't be a bad guy. <laughs> so, yeah, and right on time, Will shows up, and they're like, okay. And then we get our opening credits. Um, then we have, we're back to the Egyptian caravan, and John Five to Lyra, like, or, or to uh, York, bigs up his work. Or you know, like look at him, like holy crap, we we're making great time because of him, and you know, large in, uh, in part because of York's ability to pull heavy stuff quickly. And um, but I also need you to look at your compass for me, uh, Lyra. And uh, he just wants to know who's guarding the station. What are we in for when we get there? They're a day or so away, two days away. We need to start formulating a plan. She informs him uh, it's a stiff tartar defense. And also the the alethiometer is telling her something else that she can't, she doesn't understand. Like, it's telling her to go find a ghost. And, uh... She did. She really. She really just doesn't understand like what the thing's telling her. But she. But she does tell him. Tell him that there's a. A stiff tartar defense, and so they know what they're in for. Good. And I like the fact that they. They're showing that there's trust. It isn't just you know a lot of times in shows where you have a child protagonist or or a young protagonist. There's a little bit of especially like that Disneyfication where there's going to be the adults that kind of patronize her, and we saw that a little bit with her mom. But now, when you see the Egyptians and you see York, they're all like, okay, yeah. Well, I think you got a little bit of that, especially from John Fire, and it it was more because you know. you know adult child dynamics more than and that's exactly what you're talking about but not not just that it was it's more uh not adult child dynamics more king i don't want to say subject but you know you're my you're my folks like i've run the egyptians you're uh you know you're with us i make the decisions but he's realizing as he should as any uh, you know 
person with their eyes open paying attention when they're saying, like, oh, this thing is, uh, she's got skills. This mach- this tool she has is wonderful, and we should probably trust her more than you would trust any other, you know, 12 or 13 year old kid yeah. <laughs> with life, life or death, uh, uh, Situations and, and it's like, hey, Susie, should we walk in this door? Yes, no, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, circle here. Yes, no. So, yeah, and then she goes over to Corum to ask, hey, I want to go search out this ghost. The alethiometer is telling me I'll go by myself, and I don't understand why she thought that was going to be like <laughs> a, a selling a point. No, yeah. no, no, no. Like, why do you think he'd be like, oh, okay, great, you don't need. I don't need to send ten guards with you. Fine, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. We'll see you in the see you in the morning. He just go ahead, South Snake. He, he, tur- he turned her down flat out. Like, no, we're yeah. He says it exactly. We're two days walk from Bolvanger, and uh, you know we're not gonna we're not gonna I'm not gonna put you out there for anything to happen. Right. Because even I mean, as a king and looking at his people. You know, you like you said, looking at it just purely as a king protecting his people. Well, Quorum, just to get the titles right, I, I don't. A lot of Quorum is like, well, he's like the patriarch. He's like the that's, and, and yeah, not, spiritual he, advisor. I don't. They don't have like a yeah, real set like a vizier system, sort of. They do, but not. Yeah, but yeah. it's that doesn't dominate because the, the yeah, yeah it's not like a theocracy. The it's like, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, the theocracy is the bad guy in the story, so they're not right. going to have a mini version of that. So yeah, so Lord Fa Shaman? reminded us. No, he doesn't. Uh, mm. He's he's more like the like I guess the patriarch, the wise advisor, the wise yeah. like he's Elder. not a king, but you know he's certainly been around and he's served under three kings of the the Western Egyptians or whatever. Um. But he's certainly yeah. on the level, and maybe he doesn't have the final say of if there was a decision, do we go left or right? That's on John Fa to make the fi- ultimate decision. But he's right there advising we should probably go left or we should probably go right. Right. And this is why, because I'm oldest, you know, and I've seen this before. Or my gut, or whatever, and then it's up to the king to take everything. So, yeah. Um, but but yeah, I wasn't going to have it. So and so she goes over to Corm. Corm ain't having it. He's like, you want to go tell Ma that she's got to wait, that Billy's got to wait, that all those kids got to wait, so you can go running off into the wilderness, into you know, God knows what on a whim. And she's like, it's not a whim. I need to trust it. I don't need. I don't know why, but but I just you know need to. And he just he's not Corm's not having it. Um, yeah, and it's weird because again, to my original point about them taking her advice, they're now flipping it and saying like, we can't put this all on a maybe. We don't necessarily have. Yeah, so they not they trust the alethiometer with the questions they have. So if they ask her. Like he did, like Fa did a minute ago. Lyra, ask your lithiometer what we're in for. And she says, oh, Tartars and blah, 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 and you've got these kinds of weapons. And Okay, he, he doesn't go, hmm, that's not a maybe. He trusts it in, implicitly. But her saying, oh, but there's this extra thing, that's where they're like, hmm, that's not... 
the mission and it's and she to be fair to them she's vague she can't describe it a ghost like you want us to let you just go running off to find a ghost so i i understand why why they won't with that limited information would be like yeah let's not do that they don't yeah. know the thing as intimately as she does she doesn't know it as intimately as she will by you know book two end of season by, yeah by the end of the season book one it's uh yeah she's learning um, but this is one of those instances that goes a long way that gets people to trust her not only just the the question she or they might have but the alethiometer as you learn in the books is like a person it has moods sometimes it's stingy with information sometimes it wants to give you extra information you didn't even ask for right so this is one of those instances where people and herself learn to trust uh learn to trust the thing the 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 messages or whatever fully and 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 completely so she runs uh, to get makasa's counsel and she tries to explain uh what the what the situation is and she doesn't lie she's like you know Coram and Fa they don't want me to go but but I think it's important next we have Will at school oh before we get to Will at school Tony was a bit of a you know piece of crap in this scene with so Ma's like at a at a fire cooking something like making some stew or something and she's got some utensils in her hand and so when Lyra comes over with this request for counsel and trying to convince Ma Ma hands Tony the spoon and something and was like watch the food and he's all like but I'll burn it she's like I don't care just watch it (laughs) and I was just like stir the soup Tony or the stew whatever it is like (laughs) listen Tony's not trying to have some some burnt up stew you gotta know your limits like in in the book it was very firm lines patriarchal domination like you know they, they made a big point and one of the women in the book during the roping to just decide what they were going to do we should probably take some women because there's going to be kids and there's going to you don't need some nurses and people to take care of general stuff and they're like no it's too dangerous and you know we'll so it was like very fr- and they haven't bought that to to the story like it's like ma's there uh you know, women seem to have just not if not more agency and opinion and and wait and on decision decision making and this was kind of like to me they he's looking like I don't want to stir no stew I'm a, I'm a man right? my hawk is settled or my demon is settled we, <laughs> or he was just being a brat either way it's like stir the stew Tony yeah they could have in terms of direction they could have made that seem more bantery and less petulant it was it was but, it was just or he just takes it like a decent human being like oh okay like she didn't leave her back she just turned her back and paid attention to Lyra so if things started going wrong (laughs) he could be like uh mom could you little help little help over here so you'd think he left 
she left him with a rack of lamb and like a reduction <laughs> bubbling, you know, simmering on the stove. Like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah, she comes back holding her head. My souffle. <laughs> so we've got Will at school. He's being bullied. And uh, he's hoping in his locker and kids walking by him and call him a freak. Um, Elaine, back at home, leaves her apartment. Boreal, who's still with the henchmen in the, in the parking lot, watching, you know, watching the apartment, gets out of the car and confronts her and pretends he was John Perry, her husband, who she presumes is dead, friend from the Marines. Says he was a uh, he was a lieutenant, and um, just gives her a give a whole like, hey, I was in town kind of thing. And she's very uncomfortable, not just because she's dealing with her own mental issues, but because some strange man is asking about her twelve years gone husband. And he's like, hey, is John inside? And like takes a step towards the apartment. And and a lot of this, when I think he did that, was to distract her from the. Because she starts looking in the car at the henchman, pretty like, is that is that the guy that I've seen snooping around? And Boreal like tries to block her 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 sight line, and that's when he draws attention to 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 the taking a step towards the apartment and draws her eye away from the car. But she's like, nah, he's dead, fam. Like you know, he's been dead twelve years. His expedition never came back. Blah blah blah. Um, Boreal gives her his uh, business card and is like if I can do anything for you please let me know and he, he had her hand like cradled and she like took it away and like took his business card as if it had uh, you know crud on it like she just took it with her two fingers like eh, okay like so yeah she was not with Boreal's touchy feely I'm a stranger you know pretending to to know your know your your who she thinks dead husband. Oh, and he calls himself introduces himself as Charles Latram. So things that uh, made itself over to the uh, to the adaptation. Yeah, and it, Charles Latram in that, that world, and Lord Boreal, Carlo Boreal in Lyra's world, where he was is originally from. Yeah, that's where you need, like, this dude's got the mixtape. You are hiding a child. You are hiding a life, sir. <laughs> the whole life. Entire. Oh. And in the books, it's just like, man, this guy's connected politically and all kinds of stuff. Maybe they'll get to that uh, here. But if you, judging by how he reacted to the parking tickets and the boot on his car. Oh, which <laughs> apparently in the UK is called a clamp. Like, yeah, because you can't call it a boot because the boot's your trunk. Oh! Wait, a boot's a trunk? Yeah, put it in the boot. <sighs> so what do they call boots they wear on their feet? Um, you know, that's deep, that's deep water for me. Uh, skibby bobs. <laughs> skibby bobs. We wear our skibby bobs in the winter. Yeah, keep the snow off our toes. Anyway. Well, we had a listener last time when I mentioned like bollocks versus dogs bollocks. So maybe someone can clear up what 
okay. the difference between a boot, a boot, and a boot. Are. <laughs> I don't know, was one of them a Canadian a boot? <laughs> yes, he does. Yeah, no Canadians. Um, Britons only. Like seriously, a biscuit is a biscuit, and a cookie is a cookie. Like stop calling cookies biscuits. Like biscuits are bref- breakfast breads, <laughs> fluffy. Bridge. Breakfast or, well, well, not just breakfast. You certainly can eat biscuits with dinner. But, you know, biscuits are biscuits. <laughs> All right. Back on to the show. Um, so uh, then we, 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 we jump back to Will at school. This time he's at boxing practice? Yeah. I, I see now I took that as not necessarily school but like after school like something he does as a hobby or someone's kind of taking pity because the way the coach addressed him as you described it in a minute uh, I felt like it was more like the the coach kind of lets him stay there kind of like Creed okay yeah it doesn't I didn't see any let me see I have it on in the background and I don't necessarily see let me see he runs I didn't see any kids from the the, cla- the earlier class seat. That's the only reason I said that. No, I'm looking at his uh, his shirt. I think it is because he's wearing the same crest as it's on his school uh, jacket. So I think this is a school thing. But beyond that, like boxing. Like, I just, I mean, I, I know it exists. Like, when I see, like, high school, college lacrosse, I'm like, oh, right, I don't play it. And wasn't, it's not like a thing we do in, like, where I grew up, certainly. But, like, yeah, there's lacrosse all over the country, and people play it every I just don't. So, yes, kids box. Like, where do you think boxers come from? <laughs> it's like, they had to start somewhere. And so, but boxing is an after-school athletic and not, he wasn't playing soccer or basketball or cricket or something it was uh or even mma but i guess that would be less it it would be more understandable for school to have a boxing program not a mixed martial arts program but even a but who has a boxing program and and what kind of high school has a boxing program like damn y'all y'all got some funding fam when we got a batting cage we were the only inner city school with a batting cage and this was the mid 96 my sophomore year I think when we got a batting cage 95 so (laughs) to me I'm like damn I got a whole boxing ring and a boxing program yeah that's the UK man it's like good European education I don't know it ain't us number 37 ranked in the world okay enough of that um Will's mom he's boxing he's boxing he's boxing He's trading some punches. He eventually gets knocked down. So you you get the idea. He might not be the best boxer, but you know, like he's he's okay. And he got some jabs and some body shots in at the kid. Uh, his mom barges in, and she's like calling and Will, 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 like super agitated. Um, and she's like, I know I shouldn't have come, but 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 there's a man. Uh, and the coach is he seems concerned. And she's like, that's okay. He offers her a seat. And she's like, I'll I'll leave. And she leaves. And the kid who's in the ring that he was boxing with starts taunting him. Like, your mom's coming and going. She's mental. 
and he turns around and punches the kid in the face and the kid tackles him and they're rolling around a little bit and the coach like oh before this the coach is just looking he's just watching this conversation I was so hot and cold on this coach I was like at sometimes like oh he seems pretty cool and concerned and then other times he just was kind of a piece of crap and allowing this obvious bullying like he's not even bullying yeah. the kid I mean about the kid like he's talking about the kid's le- mom who has legit issues who you as an adult can tell has legit issues and you're just like <laughs> I was waiting for him to be like zing <laughs> you gonna take right. that Will Ooh. pull out a towel and a, a <laughs> and one mixtape <laughs> so 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 it's not until they start fighting and, and rolling around on the ground punching each other it, then the coach got in and he's like hey the both of you knock it off go towel off and Will goes runs after his mom and uh, she tries to explain to him that about Boreal confronting her and he's like she was, he was asking about your dad he's like yeah sure completely dismisses completely dismisses her her concern He's concerned about her agitation and that she's looks she's drawing attention to them and herself, completely missing why she's agitated. He just thinks she's in a state because of her, her mental issues. So he missed that hey, there's a man coming by the house asking about your dad and it freaked me the hell out. And he just Sure sure. He's like, Okay, there's a man, great. Mm-hmm. Um he goes back in. The coach tries to like, "Hey, I'm, if you need some help, if you need some social services," and he's like, "No, no, it's just a spell. She's fine. We're not at any risk." And the coach is like, "My door is always open." So at least, like, if your door is always well. open, though, why would you play both sides are at fault when you hear this kid? That's what makes it worse. That's why I just assumed in the back of my head this has to be after school because if you're a trained freaking professional as a teacher. And you're letting this one kid talk about the other kid's mom with the mental issues, and they're boxing, and you don't think aggression's going to be added to that? What are you doing, man? Next scene, we have Kaisa, Lyra, and Ma Costa discussing Azriel's imprisonment by the Bears. Uh, so Ma and and Lyra are in the tent, like under blankets, but like hanging out at the front with their. Uh, you know, upper bodies and on her elbows, essentially. Um, and Kaisa's like on a branch or something, and they're all having a conversation. And it was a really cool scene. I, I really, uh, I really, I I really liked this trio. I liked Kaisa. I like Kaisa talking to other people, not just far to quorum. Like if he has other humans that he can talk to and interact with more than just you know a whole conversation was nice and I, yeah. I, I appreciate this appreciate it Kaisa uh, says um, yeah they've got they've got Azrael under lock and key but <laughs> and it's a little twisty twist he's allowing he's allowing Azrael to continue his research into dust and everything so the, he he did what the Magisterium and Mrs. Coulter wanted him to do. Oh yeah, yeah, capture him and then hold him and and but he's still letting him do the thing they don't want him to do. 
Um, so Eofor's got some uh, he's got some stuff with him. So I thought that was interesting. That that uh, I mean it's 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 true to the book where he uh, he is allowed to continue his research. Matter of fact, <laughs> the I, I think how did they describe it in the book? Like his labs or like the stuff he's able to get? It's like just as if he was on quote unquote on the outside. Yeah, it, it was just really because Yofer's a king, and he yeah. can have things procured. He's got money and gold and status, and you know he he he, he has a trading network. So, um, so as uh, as uh, Kaiser and 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 Lyra and Ma were having as that conversation wrapped up. Farter Corum walks by, gives Kaisa a nod. They fly off, or they 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 head off. This episode, we get a better, we got a, or I got a certainly better idea of Sulfanax, Farter Corum's uh, demon, cat demon. Like, oh yeah, she's pretty. She's a sizable cat. She's probably the size of a of a bobcat. Maybe not as thick. But I think definitely as tall. Like she's certainly taller than she's not a, just some normal house cat. Uh, they still haven't. They don't have her like looking r- real uh, visually like um, her fur. I should say isn't like uh, like all rainbow and all these crazy weird colors all at the same time. But that's probably just because how do you do that? Right. And how do you do it to keep it cheap? How do you do it? And yeah, keep it cheap and consistent. And yeah, it's one thing mm-hmm. you can write in a book. Oh yeah, you look into her fur and it's blah blah blah. But <laughs> like we we try to make this thing work, fam. We already spent eighty million dollars on this, so it's uh, um. So yeah, so they Lyra's like, where are they going? And Ma's like, mind your business. <laughs> and where they were going was to meet Seraphina Pecola and Seraphina Pecola flies in to talk to Fartacorum and and she in all caps has no pine branch <laughs> she's got no cloud pine so her, like she doesn't have a physical branch and I hate this yeah I, this bothers me like it was they, they did it really well with the Dr. Lance alias in last week's episode in Trollison where they show his he has sprig the sprig comes off the branch right and it grows back pretty much you can right. pluck a sprig off your branch might have three or four different sprigs you can pluck off at any one time but it's an actual physical branch like a sizable st- stick that you sit on and and it's and it's and it's when you think of witches even you know, 400 years after, you know, like Salem witch trials and that kind of thing. It's bewitched. She flies around on a broom. It's because they fly around on a piece of wood. A, wood, a, a piece. So, uh, the idea that they fly because they, they have a cloud pine branch in their pocket, a piece of twig in their pocket or something, it's so weak. Well, I think it's two things. I think one, it goes back to the whole idea of cheap versus production. And I also think stick. someone's wait, wait, and I also think someone in the BBC was like, oh, this is going to look like Quidditch. 
So make it look like Quidditch. Who cares? Quidditch is biting off of how we, this is something that goes back. I know, know I know, but this Harry is Potter's that's new. an exec that's an exec issue. And also, again, they're playing off of tradition, and the tradition is witches fly around on a conveyance. They don't just fly like Superman or have a piece of barrier leaf in their pocket. So corny, but okay, fine, 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 fine. <laughs> um, first off, she's the most handsome woman I've seen in a long time. She's just a good-looking yeah. woman. Bone structure, cheekbones are just yeah. She's a good-looking woman. Um, she's like he's like you don't look a day. You know you look the same as I've seen you. And remember they haven't seen each other in 30, 40 years. Uh, Quorum's in his late 60s, you know, mid to late 60s. He hasn't seen her since he was in his mid to late 20s. And right. she's like, yeah, you look the same, too. He's like, come on, fam. Like, don't flatter me, lady. And she's like, I'm 300 years plus. She only, She's so old, she don't even know if she's 300, 316 years old, 372 years old. Yeah, 300, so I don't know. It's like it's over 300. Once you're over 300, who cares? You stop counting. And um, she's like, you're not old enough that I can't, st- you haven't changed, or whatever the line was, you're not old enough that I can't see the man that you are. Like, just, I thought it was a really nice compliment. And um, he gives a strong hard, uh, just a hard sell for why they got to fight. Oh, because she made a, a real snarky, unnecessary, bitter, petty line. Like, oh, I see you got, I see you got some fight in you now, because she, when their son died 35, 40 years ago, she wanted to go tear up the world and just make people suffer. And he was like, Nah, I just want to go and hang out and meditate and just mourn my son. <laughs> and he's like, Fam. He died from a disease. These are human beings taking our kids, which means I got to fight. And even if I'm outnumbered and I got no chance, my honor system and how I value myself and my morals tell me I got to at least try. And and that seemed to move her. I mean, it, it wasn't like she was uh, trying to be cold or anything, but, you know, they haven't seen each other. She wants to make sure... If uh, because this conversation started like, oh, I didn't think you'd ever want to see me, and Quorum's like, I didn't. She's like, yeah, but you went to the council. He's like, our kids are getting kidnapped. We look at us. We need your help. So he made it clear that he's not. Uh, he didn't necessarily want to see her. See her like this hurts for him. Like it sucks, and I. It's like one of those relatable things where. I remember where, like, the there's a woman in my life in my late teens and early 20s, and, you know, could have been the one, you know, when you're that age, you know, oh, she could be the one. And for various reasons, she wasn't. And, you know, it feels some kind of way, you know, 20 years later. And then she, like, friended me on Facebook, and I'm like, oh, my God, like, I don't want to have to see, like, your life. And, like... <laughs> you know, like, oh, like looking fine and happy, and and uh, I don't want to deal with that. Like, I don't want to scroll through the timeline and 
see you at the hugged up husband at the museum or whatever doing fun family stuff um, even though she's not doing fun family stuff and th- you know he's just still can't deal with but with that so I, I definitely understood where he was coming from um, he says uh, he tells her that Lord Azrael needs to focus on this world and not multiple worlds uh, and Seraphina's like yeah you're right but he's also right and she's like wait what he's like yeah she, she's like witches know, have known about the other worlds for thousands of years and then she starts like feeling the air and like yeah they're right here you just can't see touch or taste them and if you're at all into shamanism or entheogens or uh, to a lesser extent if you want to say hallucinogenics and you're into that kind of spiritual stuff on that level and yeah or 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 even like ancient astronaut theory or some stuff with uh with that like you understood perfectly what what seraphina peccola was talking about like we're just literally not tuned in it's like well when you turn to channel six does channel three cease to exist like no you just are off that frequency and you just just need to find that frequency and tune back in um so he's learning and baffled like wow learning something new every day and then they go through there then it gets to the nitty gritty oh oh he she mentions uh, she talks about um oh what was the line oh he just said it I'm sorry I have it on in the uh, he said oh he asked about is anything possible she mentions that anything's possible and like because of these multiple worlds and he's like anything and she's like it's not that fam not him and then he's like okay well she explains that all the witches aren't as united as you know as she'd like them to be so you you understand when you see a few ep- in a few episodes maybe if we see witches fighting witches that it ain't all sweet and all the witches aren't on one they're not a monolith he asks her, right. he asks her if he'll see her again uh, she gives him a kiss they have a really 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 special emotional moment and he tells her there's not a day not a moment goes by when I don't think of you or him and uh it was just uh, it was special she's told him you know Kaiser will continue to lead you there what he sees I see where I can help I will uh, but Azrael's bringing a great war and the Magisterium knows it uh, even if witches aren't as united as we once were and he's swelling up and that's when he says there's the line about there's not never been a moment that I haven't thought about you or him and then they depart and she leaves she goes towards a cliff and she steps off and I've and I was so wanting to and I still am not convinced and I'm about to watch it probably for the 27th time in the last two days I swear there's a cloud pine branch waiting for her at the edge of the cliff and she surfs off on it or like skateboards off on it and I don't know if that's just my mind wanting that to be the case so bad but I really don't like that there's that they don't have uh, 
pine, the cloud pine branch. Back yeah, to I get it. I yeah. mean, you're gonna be writing angry letters. Oh, a physical letter. I might handwrite yeah. it. Let's put a stamp on it. Dear, Bad Wolf Productions. Dear BBC Bad Wolf, how dare you? <laughs> Back to the Egyptians' caravan. Fod decides uh, Lyra can go on her mission. He tasks York with uh, taking her where she needs to go and getting her there and back safely. Um, Lee is concerned. Um, this their their interactions were not as as uh, didn't have as much Lyra and Lee in this episode as they did in last, but they were really good and. <laughs> Lynn Manuel Miranda tweeted BDE, Big Dad Energy, and a gif of Phil Dunphy uh, from Modern Family uh, on Twitter earlier today. Yeah, because he did a really good job throughout this episode and throughout the series so far, mm-hmm. being that kind of more affectionate sort of role for Lyra in terms of a dad. And just being that. But he's the dad that. I know he picked Phil Dunphy, but he's also he's not necessarily Phil in that because Phil's kind of a dope. He's more or less like the guy who realizes if I treat you like everyone else, you won't realize how important you are. And that won't make you doubt what you're doing. That's how I'm interpreting it. We make it the they're back at camp. Uh, It's time for. Time for Lyra and York to shove off. York doesn't have uh, his armor on. They don't explain. It's pretty obvious. You don't need to say, well, it's easier. You can't ride on my armor. And I don't think we'll run into any. Because that was like a conversation Lyra and York had. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to wear my armor. I don't think we'll run into any, tr- any trouble where I'll need my armor. And I can... F- I'm still a big giant bear and I can fight without it. Um, and, 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 and York, they, this is the first instance of him being like uncomfortable as anything but a fighting, you know, a warrior. And because Lee shows up and was like, yeah, York's first ride. I wasn't going to miss this. <laughs> And York shoots him a, a grunt, and like Lee backs off, like Ugh. he like kind of physically like flinches, like oh okay, sorry, sorry, <clears throat> too, too far. And he's like, it, uh, uh, York's like, I'm not a horse. <laughs> and Lyra gets on, and they take off, and they're galloping through the snow. And they're I like they're it. off to find a ghost. Yeah. And um, yeah, Lee's there to basically, please, 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 please be careful, kind of thing. Back to the uh, Perry apartment. Will makes omelets, and I thought this was a uh, tremendous Easter egg. I, I, for you know, I mean, I don't know if this isn't in game, so I don't know if they'd be considered it's considered an Easter egg. But um, at the beginning of book two. He makes omelets for for Lyra, and it's special because Lyra doesn't. She's a brat and a spoiled, you know, some pseudo scholar. You know, and she's raised with servants and stuff, and she doesn't know how to cook anything or do dishes. She's like, I'm not doing dishes. I'm not a servant. 
And she doesn't even her know how to wash Lyra, her hair. That, that privilege even, is showing. She doesn't even know how to wash her hair. And I'm like, oh my God. This little brat ass. Like, She's like, I don't know. The servants do all that. What do you expect? Um, Elaine tells Will how much like his father he is that he'll one day take up his mantle which confuses Will like what and again he's short and dismissive you know there was one time he does tell her you know he, he returns her because she says I love you and he, he, he re- returns that but he's like she's oh she goes you cook like him too he's like I never tasted his cooking or I don't remember his cooking it's like, well, he could, it didn't take much for him to, you know, he didn't need many ingredients to, to cook up a mighty feast. He's like, Mom, it's just an omelet. Like, at every turn, he's just being, and I get it, he's a 13-year-old kid who looks 16, and it's going to be a problem when they go start filming season three, I bet. They're going to have to keep that kid shaved after every take. <laughs> soon as he starts getting a wispy mustache it's going to add like two years to him because he's already looks like a 16 year old he's playing a 13 year old so when he starts to get little chin hair little mustache it's going to be like you're not bossing me this 19 20 year old kid running around so yeah keep him keep him smooth and as young as young looking as possible but he's, you know, a teen, ornery teenager, and, you know, and his mom, he doesn't hasn't had a little chance, he hasn't had the opportunity to be a kid, so he's a little uptight, a little, a little short. Um, she, didn't, she then notices the carpet spots, like when you move your coffee table and it leaves the dents in your carpet, like something's off, the rug's missing, the spots in the carpet are off, somebody's been in here. And and again, Will just dismisses it like nobody's here, Mom. And she runs into the bedroom, checks under her sewing sewing machine, and she pulls out a a bunch of uh, air mail air mail letters. And book readers immediately know what this is about. Um, she puts them back, tells Will, I, 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 "You can't read them. Sorry, sorry, I didn't. I didn't even, shouldn't even have shown you," which was so inconsiderate. Like, well, that's like when somebody goes, "Hey, if you, never mind," and you're like, "What? No, 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 never mind." Yeah, you're just like, "No, no, 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 no." I don't care what it is. You're gonna ask me. You're gonna tease me with the, and then, you know, you make them tell you. So yeah, she basically did that to to Will. Then we get back on the ice. Up north, we've got uh, Lyra and Yorick hanging out, kind of taking a rest, you know, halfway point maybe. And this first part, I didn't know really what to make of it too much. She's like, he's laying down eating a carcass of something, an elk or deer or something. She's like... He's on all four, like on his stomach, eating. She's leaned back on him with a lunchbox or something, and she's like, yeah, Ma packed me some eggs and bread. And she, like, goes to reposition herself and, like, puts her forearm and elbow kind of, like, into his fur. audacity. And he kind of looks like, "Mm." and she stops in her tracks and is like, sorry, you're warm. 
I, I, I just trying to get warm. I didn't mean any rudeness. And he's like, you can, you can get warm. And I was just like, was it like that's it's like I don't remember their relationship being that cold even at the beginning. Yeah, he was more respectful for us being the person who helped, like, kind of start cleaning up his blood debt. And this makes it seem like he's just another babysitter. I yeah, and 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 again, he then explains. Literally, her next question is, "Aren't do you get lonely? You know, you don't have a demon." He's like, "Bears are made to be solitary animals." So you you understand that he's not used to. But he, then, but out. then he says he is because she mentions like, "Well, what about all your people?" He's like, "Oh, oops, oops, oops." <laughs> Again, are bears on Svalbard? There's thousands of them, but there's thousands of bears in the wild wilderness, and they are solitary animals. Like that's not a thing he made up for himself so no no but it also in this world we got a talking bear that had a community that he now explains that he was ostracized from right. because he had to catch a body and he takes all the responsibility she asks him you know what about you know uh, uh, because they're on a topic um, She's like, you know, I didn't, again, I didn't mean to offend you. I was just curious. Uh, but she's like, they have my father prisoner there, and, you know, I, I'm just worried about him. He's like, well, he's on Svalbard. I'm not a Svalbard bear. And she's like, oh, I thought you were. He's like, they said you were. He says, and then he explains, I was, uh, I had a wealth, I had a rank, I was a prince. And then I broke the rules and I was sent away. This immediately piques her curiosity. She puts her eggs away. She walks completely around in front of him, stoops and looks him dead in his beady little bear eyes. What did you do? <laughs> and Why? I have a, I have a feeling that that was for um, CGI and camera shot reasons because he's not a real bear having a conversation he can't right. keep looking over his shoulder talking to her eating his food talking to her so it's probably just aesthetically like and for the shot and for technical reasons just get in front of yeah. him at the rest of this conversation and uh, he explains that he killed the bear and he's like who who'd you kill he's like not who it's why uh, bear shouldn't kill bears I did I wasn't in my right mind, and for such a crime, I was ex- I was exiled and stripped of my rank and title. And he was just so clean, and and ear for Arachnus and became king. And he doesn't have any sense of uh, like there was an in, any kind of injustice. He's just like, yep, that's how it is. And if your dad's on uh, Svalbard, that's where he's gonna stay. And she's like, yeah, he'll figure out a way to get away. He holds up his paws like one paw. It's like one swipe will crush a, a crush a seal's skull or tear off a limb, or you know disembowel a man. Yeah, he's going like, hardcore. And he's like, Ugh. and she's like, yeah, well, he'll trick them. He's like, little girl, you can't trick bears. Bears see tricks and deceit as plainly as arms and legs. And then she's like, he tricked me into believing that he was my uncle and, and my mother, and he didn't tell me who my real mom was. And then one time, he was trying to poison him, and he's like, you ain't a bear. <laughs> and she's like, you're wrong. 
Some part of me I'm is part definitely, bear. definitely bear. You'll see. I did 23 and me. <laughs> I am one 64th Octoroon oh bear. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then she goes back to her bread and eggs. And, uh, but they don't do... And I, and I don't remember, because I last read the first book about three months ago in preparation for, for this... But I don't remember if that was the scene. It had to be, because when else would and a conversation about tricking bears come up? So, assuming they're not going to do that, that what I'm about to talk about, he he to 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 give an example, he tells her, "Grab that stick." Now hit me with the stick. Like, like, use it as a sword and try to stab me. And she, she tries every like fake juke, juke left, <laughs> deke right. Yeah, she's doing the Duke special, like she's shaking the head, to, doing the like, pivots. Oh, or she do the walk away, like oh, I'm done. Ah, I'm back. And he every time swat, swat, swat. And because he's a bear, he has no emotion on his face. He doesn't give away how he knows it's coming. He just, he's always a step ahead of her. And then she just gives up, like, whatever. I'm a kid. You're a warrior. And but the point, she gets it. They didn't, they didn't do that here, and I don't, I don't think they will. Um, back to Will's apartment, Elaine's apartment. He's snooping around like you do when someone tells you I got the secret uh, 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 I can't tell you never mind so he goes and looks in the uh, he's kneeling down at the sewing machine where she hides the uh, the letters but he, he didn't like open it and then she comes in and she's like I want you to read the letters I changed my mind and then he goes nah I'm good <laughs> I was like you, will you two get on the same page Nah, I'm good. He comes in, clearly wanting to read the letters. She comes in, okay, fine, you can read the letters. He's like, no, I don't want to read the letters. <laughs> Next, we got Lyra and York arriving at the fishing village. And it's just gloomy and snowy and unfortunately completely barren. There's nobody around. And this is different from the book in a way that makes the story not as good. Because in the book, there's people in this fishing village who are shook to death about the... And she's... There was a, <laughs> there was a language barrier, but I think Yorick... Did you? I don't remember if Yorick knew one of the, the, the knew the language they were speaking, or if they found someone with some kind of the translator. It was weird. I don't remember. It wasn't weird, but I just don't remember. But they like were like, "That's the there's a demon, or a, not a demon. There's like a devil or a goblin or some kind of something like that, some kind of devilish thing that they were calling them in there." And they're like, "What? There's a a a, a ghost or a, de- a devil in there? What the heck are y'all talking about?" And they're like, "Get it out." And they were imploring her, like, if you're here to take it, please take it away so we can get this. Our village is cursed as long as he's here. And that's when they find Tony Macario's clutching his dead fish. Um, 
But here it's completely abandoned, or everyone's asleep. Um, there's no one to talk to. She knows where to go because when she's because she saw it in her mind's eye um, when she read the alethiometer trying to find out who was guarding Svavart, and then, and it gave her this extra info. It also showed her opening the door that she's about to right. walk into. So she saw it. So when she sees the building, so that's how they get around that. But still, the impact is lessened because. The idea of a, a severed person in this world is hideous. The idea that someone doesn't have a demon is ab- abominable. It's 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 if you know in our world, if somebody had it's not. I was gonna say two heads, but like that's a real thing. That's a thing that ex- at least exists in our world and scientific in their world. There is not a you. People don't not have demons. Yes, they're dead. People don't. That's right. People don't have demons. Dead folks, and you lower them in a casket or you burn them on a pyre. <laughs> yeah, like I saw, you know how aggressive they were, and I'm like, man. Even with the when they were at the scene last week and they got there, and you saw like pikes and all this stuff. Like, there's no in the middle for these folks. Mm-hmm. But they didn't, because you don't get that scene with the townsfolks in this fishing village imploring them. They're like cursing them, and maybe, you know, you got the feeling that were they abusing? Like throwing, maybe throwing rocks and just for like he's in this little hut or little uh, shed. Like he was driven there by these townsfolks, and he's just scared for his life, and yeah. he doesn't have his rat to 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 talk to, to keep him company, protect him, or in companions, nothing. Um, and that's but they do see when I'm watching it Lyra d- does unhook so he was locked in so at least I guess if you're paying attention you under like oh somebody put him there or he went in there and they put the lock on it because there's a hook she has to unlatch from the outside Tony could, or Billy couldn't have gotten out if he wanted to because it was latched he would have had to you know bust the door down or do something so she walks in and he's there and Pan is shook. He's an Arctic fox and he's like, he don't want to have. N- this is how they get that across. That Pan's reaction is what they're counting on to get across how, and hers and Lyra's reaction. She's wide out eyed, mouth agape. Where's his demon? Where's Ratta? Pan's like, keep away. Pan don't even want her to go near him in case it's contagious. And um her eyes she starts tearing up and she's like uh pan even says i know we should help but i'm scared so he's just in full-on coward mode and lyra has to power through that like no let's get him and next scene is uh them on 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 york and they're galloping back towards the camp (laughs) and um at least you don't have like a page of like how cold it was and her trying to hold Tony as they <laughs> rode back to the camp. Ugh. Yeah. How stiff her bones. I mean, cause again, he's a bear and now she, it's not just her holding on to, you know, bear fur to keep herself, but she's got to keep this half dead kid from falling off of galloping polar bear. So back at the camp, uh, <clears throat> Kaisa, and his hawk squeal alerts everybody. Ma comes out. 
I don't know if it was instinctive because Billy's in a snowsuit with his hood up. But she's like, is that my Billy? Where's Ratto? Where's his demon? And then he stands up, wobbles, wobbles, boom. And then she just lets him fall face first into the snow. And you're not supposed to be laughing because her son is dying in her right in front of her. He doesn't have his soul anymore. And he's all he's clearly on death's door and he's wobbling and just falls face first into the dirt into the snow and I can't help but giggle every time I think of it because she just let she, he's standing in front of her she's kneeling she's right at his level and she just lets him fall and <laughs> I just thought that was uh like she can if she caught him we get they get across uh how unsteady and how he's about to die um uh, Lyra wants to go with them, but Lee and uh, and the, the, but that big dad energy explains like, look, they love you, but this is their time with their kid, right. and you being there isn't going to be a help. And Lyra's like, why would someone do that? Why would someone cut someone's demon? And then they show Hester on the ground. And she puts her ears back. She's looking all sad. And Lee's like, when you take somebody's soul. You can control them, and it ain't no greater power. And you know, and it, and it was just like, whew, man, that that that's pretty heavy. But that's exactly that's exactly what they're doing. Um, inside, there's Ma and Tony sitting with Billy's body, or, or sitting with Billy. He's still alive, and. Um, and they're crying and mourning and she sings to, to Billy and she tells him go to Ratter go ahead like let go and Tony's like no don't and and Billy like took a took a, his last breath and died like he took that yeah. like oh okay fine that was tough man like permission she gave him permission to like no need to hang on because this ain't they know this ain't no way to live it's sort of like um, if anybody's familiar with the, I think it was an HBO show, might have been Showtime, but it was like 2003, um, a show called Dead Like Me with Ellen Muth, yeah, Jasmine Guy, and Mandy Patinkin, such a oh god, uh, that made me the biggest Mandy Patinkin fan. He was so good in that, um, but it was about Grim Reapers and preferably. You take as a Grim Reaper, you take someone's soul before they die, before the act that kills them, whether it's a heart attack or they get hit by a train. Because if right. you don't, you got to go find. If, it, if they get hit by a train, you got to then go find like <laughs> a torso and like take the soul. But um, and one of the main characters' first reaps, she didn't let it go. She moved. It was a train accident, and she moved the little girl and saved her. And Mandy Patinkin's like, "Fam, it's her time. She, her soul is in in a riding. You don't want to see what a soul, what it's gonna, what she's gonna turn into. Like that's no way to live. Like a soul inside a rotting." Not physically rotting, but the soul is going to rot. 
because yeah. it should have been gone. Like you got to take her away. And I think uh, it was. I got similar vibes. Like this ain't no way to live. Especially the way they did it with with Billy. It didn't take. It didn't work. Like some of the some of the workers, like all the the nurses and stuff they have watching the kids. If you see later in Ballvanger, like all the server, all the workers, the lower level workers, they don't have demons, but they're but they're they have energy they can be the, they can they can they, you can put them to work and do tasks they're not like walking around like zombies so it's a right. le- there's levels to obviously they got it right and or got it wrong with billy right and the descent is really the thing you want to see you don't just want to see him hit rock bottom and, and you never off himself and you never understood and they never explain even in the book how tony escaped from the station and they don't explain how billy escaped from the station if he if if he indeed escaped, or yeah, I mean you imagine they they didn't just let him say, hey, all right, kid, you're out of here. Well, here's here's bus fare. <laughs> here's a two thirty sledge coming across and uh, jump on that. <laughs> um, back to the apartment and will sleep. Elaine checks on him. She then goes downstairs, and this is where I realize that. Uh, that um, their apartment is dope. Yeah, it's like two stories and like that wood, sucker's spacious wood paneling, and it's just like really like nice looking. And it's the middle of the night. She realizes the cat is in the corridor, like outside. She she opens the door, lets the cat in, but she flicks the light on and off a bunch, so she's doing like her weird thing that she does. And when she lets the cat in, she realizes the outside door, like, I guess that would be like a foyer, but the front door was open. And then she goes to, like, close it, and then uh, she notices the henchman still watching the apartment. And she's shook. And she starts, uh, oh, she did this earlier at the school uh, during the box, when she interrupted the boxing practice. She's, like, counting the bricks on the, uh, like, on like a, a wall and in this one and in her apartment she starts counting the slats on her on the wood paneling like she starts counting like the, the yeah so again it's coming across as this woman has mental issues and it's manifesting in this her doing these weird things and then we we find out later uh, potentially what that's about um, next we have Boreal getting the lowdown from Thomas who yeah this was the episode where they took characters who were kind of on the perif- evil periphery even Boreal uh, and Thomas uh, or, or, or Boreal but even Thomas who was just you know yeah he's a bad guy but you know he's just doing his job now right. at, by the end of this conversation he's like yeah I like this cat and mouse game like, oh, this guy's a sociopath. Like, no wonder Boreal found him and he's working for him. But Thomas tells him he hacked Elaine's bank account. And there's every month a small amount goes from uh, from John Perry's account that he set up to Elaine's account. It's a small amount, but it's 12 years later still paying out, which means he was That's pre- interest. Pre- preparing for a marathon mm-hmm. 
and he'd been on 20 expeditions before this he'd been in the marine and in countless war zones but two weeks before he left on his last expedition to Alaska or in Alaska he set this account up knowing it's almost like he knew about the window or something like the window and he knew there was a good chance he wasn't going to come back so he set his family up He's like, there's got to be a paper trail, and we need to get into into that apartment. So, which which confused me, because I I thought, especially with Elaine's reaction earlier, they had already been in the apartment. And I don't know if they just look for surface level things, and now he's like realizing we need to go a little deeper. We need to search some cupboards and you know inside, uh, you know floorboards and that kind of thing. Well, I think the thing they need to do is they need to help illustrate to the viewer that hasn't read the book that, you know, they kind of do a job with. It's not all in her head. But when she was running around earlier in the episode saying, oh, my God, they moved the rug. Oh, my God, this, you know, it's kind of like I don't see anything. And you never saw anything. You right. And they, they, they didn't show like the spots on the floor where like the coffee table would have been slightly off from the dents. And, and Will's reaction kind of is probably there to make you as the viewer follow his reaction. And he's like, yeah, you know. He's, he's he's treating her like your mom's off her meds again. He even says that. Are you off your meds? She's like, no, it's not that. Somebody was in here. It's that thing that you don't know when to take somebody seriously when they're going through stuff like this. Right. It's not a boy who cried wolf situation because she's not doing it purposefully. The boy who cried wolf is being a piece of piece of crap. And, and he's a kid. That's the thing. He's a kid. If and this was like an his, adult his son. His perception isn't. Yeah. Yes. And he's a hurt kid. He's a kid who's had to take care of his right. mom since he was seven. He's 13. Hurt you know, people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. Even if not on purpose. Uh, back at the camp, Lee tells, he wakes Lyra up and she's like, he's dead, isn't he? He's like, yep. Uh, they pre- prepared a funeral pyre. Um, Fasek, we got to prepare to fight. And Ma's like, no, we got to prepare to kill. Uh, the Egyptians then sing this uh, really s- sweet, mournful song as the as the pyre as the pyre burns. Ma Costa light, you know, lights the pyre, and um, yeah. Then later, it's it's later that oh, and bef- as before the pyre burns, like Lyra runs up to Lee and gives him a giant hug, and again they're just really emphasizing that they're getting close I mean in the book he and I just in the last two days and earlier today finished uh, the subtle knife and when he makes Grumman promise make a promise to him he's like I love that little girl like I would if I had a daughter I would hope I loved her as much as I love her kind of thing and if I and I wanted to be if she was as half as strong and willful as Lyra that would be a joy and you better make if you're gonna make this promise he like basically made him swear on he was like what do you hold dear and Grimman told him he's like swear on that (laughs) that you're gonna you know keep to your word and then later it's still at camp but it's uh oh I didn't see this shot of all the demons like Mm -hmm. 
Sad. Oh, look at him. It's like a, that's what messed me up because it was like you already got the other stuff, and then that hit me wow. like American Tale. Demon goes west. Rival? Rival? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're all singing somewhere out there. <laughs> um. So yeah. So they show the camera of all the humans' faces, then they drop down to their feet, and all the demons, all the at least the foot, the floor demons of cats and stuff uh, are all just bow heads are just they're all just sad and the pyre's burning and then the next scene it's this it's the middle of the night wait a second did I uh oh I missed something because we're back at the apartment and Will's mom is uh still the middle of the night I guess she was you know she's still Scared by those guys waiting outside her house. Will still tossing and turning in his bed. This just must have been a buffer scene because I didn't write anything about it in my notes. Yeah, I don't think it was too much because it was just kind of it set more of the stage for what those clothes. Yeah, it looks like it looks like Will's had maybe having a bad dream. They might be trying to get across that he's just not at ease even in his sleep. Like he's just. Yeah, then we're back to camp. It's the middle of the night. And the Tartars silently infiltrate the camp. And I was like, oh, yeah, nobody thought that maybe they might know that they're coming. And might try to, yeah, hit y'all in advance. So this is the problem, the biggest problem I had with with uh, changing from uh, from from books to to the show. So in the books, they're just kind of on their caravan going, and, and they get attacked by Tartars. And Lyra, in the in the confusion, and you know, gets a net thrown over and thrown in the back of a sledge and kidnapped. And, right. But they don't know. They're just kidnapped because that's what the Tartars are paid to do. They kidnap kids. They bring them back to the station. They get a couple dollars. That's the that's the the racket. So they don't know who their kid. They just see a, a caravan. They got a kid, and you know. So in, but there was a fight. Um, F- John Fa got shot. What? And, and Lyra saw him get shot, and that was a big thing. Like I don't, I saw him get shot. I don't. But then I got kid and knocked upside the head and thrown him in the back of a sledge and take it to the station. I don't know if he's dead or alive. In this, in this episode, in the show, everyone's asleep, still at the camp, and 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 the Tartars infiltrate, and the watchman, the Knights Watch, the guys on guard, get taken out silently. It's their throat slashed, and and they just silently take out a bunch of people, and Pan's like, wakes up, Lyra, I heard something outside. She's in a tent with Lee Scoresby, right? So, yeah. So what does she do? She goes, she does the horror movie thing of, let's go explore that noise, gang. <sighs> like what? What are you doing? You don't wake up. You don't go. Hey, I, hey, Lee. I, hey, grown adult man who knows how to fight and has weapons. <laughs> I heard something. No, 
she goes outside, puts on her gloves, and mm, let me go see what's going on. And before she she sees, you know, bodies laying around, and before she her dumbass could even scream, she gets clubbed upside the back of the head by Tartar, and they throw her on the sledge and they take her to the station. And she tells them her name is Lizzie Brooks. Oh, what did I say? The Tartars silently infiltrate. Lyra has to ex- go explore like an idiot. Gets kidnapped and taken to the station. No battle. Lizzie gets settled in at the station. So yeah, she tells her, her tells them her name is Lizzie Brooks. So again, they don't know who she is or how important she might be. The the woman uh, that asks her name and seems like she's in charge looks at Pan and goes. Oh, well, we got a ferret, huh? And she tries to grab him, but he jumps and turns into a moth and flies, or butterfly and flies away. She's, and that was the point. She wanted to see if it would, if it would transform. And she's like, "Up, oh, there we are." Because she thought, but just looking at her, that her demon was settled. And and she's like, "Okay, she's uh, definitely on the verge of change. Let's um." get her prepped and they look it seems like they put her in the top <laughs> priority category yeah and uh basically all right we're gonna get you um situated take everything off and uh, you know and liar's gotta take her clothes off and she sees she sees the uh green snowsuit hanging in a closet just a bunch of them just like the one that roger was they found roger in and she's, you know, naked, and there's strange people, you know, looking at her body and taking notes and stuff. So it's a totally uncomfortable situation. And then she sees, oh crap, this definitely. Because I don't know how she didn't put it all together, but then she goes, we're involved with Bullfanger. And that's smart. And that's kind of how the episode, or no, not kind of. That's that's where the episode ends. And next week we get the big. Kids' rebellion in the station, and it's one of my fit most favorite parts of 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 the first book. All right, so um, let's get to some emails. We've got two this week. Okay. Yeah, one from uh, Doc Bruce and one from Friday. So let's jump into those. Let me bring them up. Alright, so Doc Bruce chimes in. Subject, the feels. <laughs> What's good, Trav and Rich? Wow, what an episode. It was gripping. Yes, sir. It was gripping. It had me nearly crying several times. I don't know what you're talking about. The, reu- mm. the reunion with Serafina Pecola? Damn. Ma Costa telling Billy he can't be with Rat. He can be- go be with Rata? Shit. The funeral pyre song, heartfelt. Sometimes a slow burn is cumbersome, but this was done so well and making every scene seem like it's crucial to the overall story. The setup for Balvanger with that creepy ass lady trying to snatch Pan made me shudder. It's building yeah. nice. <laughs> it's building nicely f- uh, for the last couple of episodes. No question today, since I know your feelings on the episode will be apparent in your recap. Hope uh, hope y'all had a good holiday weekend and enjoy the rest of your week, uh, Doc Bruce. Thanks, Doc. In Seattle. So yeah, great episode. He's just reiterating how uh, 
you know, it was heartfelt and sad and brutal at points. You know, or not brutal, but it was, yeah, it was uh, the feels, like he said. And then uh, Friday, she chimes in, Olga, in Australia. She says, hi, Rich and Trab. I think Boreal stepped even further away from his original story in the HDM trilogy this week. His motivation for hunting Stanislaus Grumman was established earlier. He wants to find someone else who has traveled between worlds. And now they have replaced a government agent from the book and appointed Boreal as the Perry family antagonist. I wonder how this will tie in with the later developments from the Subtle Knife in which Boreal mainly in which Boreal mainly appeared and where they might go with in season two. Uh, do you think the story works? Uh, can we predict some sort of clash with the Magisterium? And that's uh, Olga, the editor of Nerdalicious. Go to nerdalicious.com, by the way, and read her fantastic book to TV uh, ad- uh, uh, articles that she uh, that she writes every week after after each episode. Uh, nerdalicious.com.au because she's in the future in Australia. So, um, yeah, he he. This is beyond stepping away from his book character. This is where he became a villain. Like if you, you already knew he was a villain in the in the in the neck and certainly one of the main antagonists, but. You could be thrown off by his charm and handsomeness, and this was the week where you couldn't fool yourself into no, no, no. Boreal's good. He's got a good soul. Yeah, intimidating a mentally handicapped woman. <laughs> I mean, that's worse than creepily yeah. feeling up a priest or deacon or whatever the heck Fra Fra Pavel is. You know, right. ratty and bullying him. Like if you didn't know he was villain, then this was the this one. Yeah. And if you're still on the fence, when next week when he throws her down a flight of stairs, like Lois from Family Guy meme. Wait, what? When he no, throws, I'm just, I'm just, oh. I'm just, just kidding. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, I am looking forward to that henchman dying though. If he dies, he better. No spoilers. He's got a. Uh, he doesn't have fair hair like in the book. He has super super blonde hair and no, <laughs> which made him look like he didn't have any eyelashes or eyebrows. But right, he, he looked like. Uh, uh, what is what is it? The what is the uh, the, the alopecia? No, um, that's what your hair. Um, you're talking about um, albinism. Albinism, right, 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 right. It looks like uh, I thought of him as um, who's the comedian, um, the stand-up. He had a special called King Baby. Uh, Zach. Uh, Galifianakis, no. Is Galifianakis super blonde? No, no, no. He's got the blonde, the brown hair, and the bushy. Um, King Baby stand-up. Jim Gaffigan. Gaffigan. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, yes. He's super blonde. Um, so I think when when he's described in the books, I always think <laughs> Jim Gaffigan always pops in my head. Uh, but again, they're changing that character because now he's just henchman number two and not like a real... Not oh, really. also, he's not the one that died in the books. The fair-haired guy, it was... 
buddy, his partner. So, okay. Um, yeah, his motivation for hunting Stanislaus is established. Now he wants to find someone to travel between worlds. Remember, he's all he's freelancing. A lot of this is not magisterium. This is not uh, sanctioned by the magisterium. It might not even be known to Mrs. Coulter. So she has like a hold over him and a lot of people in certain ways, but I think he's he's uh, clever enough to have his own thing going completely. Yeah, his little side interest and kind of keep that on the low low. Yeah, like, yeah. Who's going to be over there? Like, when I need to tell her, I'll tell her, and it'll be a surprise, right. you know. But until then... He's on his star screen, too. And it was the same thing in the book. It was the same thing when she she uh, when she when she showed up at his house in the book and in in Will's world in our world and um, he was basically like yeah yeah no I had to keep this to myself because it's just it was too good a secret to tell anybody even you Marissa I think was his exact line <laughs> uh, so yeah I don't think uh, the magisterium can we predict some sort of clash with the magisterium oh of course. I mean, I think that's, um, well, either, either the magisterium directly, or if they stick to the book, the clash will be with Mrs. Coulter. But well, well, well she see, is, I, for well, us, she is the magisterium, so. Um, but she was doing her own thing. She wasn't doing a lot of stuff she was doing at the end well, of yeah, when uh, she, the subtle night. She got a little... She's uh, yeah. The whole thing with the Himalayas and keeping Lyra—that was all Gee. like, uh, that was all her. That was all her on the run from the church. So, thank you, Olga, for the email. Appreciate it. If you want to be like Doctor Bruce and Friday, hit us up on the email at ddustpodcast at gmail dot com. Once again, that's ddustpodcast at gmail.com. Please follow us on Twitter. Interact with us there. We are very hands-on. We like to talk to talk to our uh, audience at ddustpodcast on Twitter. Twitter.com slash ddustpodcast. Or drop us a voicemail uh, anytime during the week. Um, hit, hit the voicemail and fill us in on your thoughts. you got three unadulterated minutes to ask questions comment rant about uh, you know how much how, how, how Lord Boreal uh, disappointed you in this episode how could a how could a man so handsome be so evil hit the voicemail line 415-787-5229 once again the voicemail line can be found at 415 715-787-5229 do you have any uh, final thoughts or, or anything for the fine folks? Uh, Will. Rich? <laughs> Bill. No, Will. I called you Will. Will oh. Perry. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think it's just, I think this is getting, it's heating up. It's getting into some stuff. And, you know, even as the producers in Bad Robot mentioned, this is what they were talking about when, you know, bad, many weeks ago. Bad, think, bad, what did I say? Bad Robot is the Delt Swim folks, or are they do like anime? No, Bad Robot is um, Bad Robot is J.J. Abrams. Oh, okay. Yeah, the Bad Wolf, the fine folks at Bad Wolf. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
mentioned that there were going to be some bleeding into the books and then also some teasing of things out because the book didn't necessarily give detail. Uh, one such example was when we saw like the little side stuff, like the luncheon and all those little things where you got to see a little bit more of Miss Coulter. Now we're seeing a little bit more of Lord Boreal and uh, we're seeing a little bit more of Will's mom and Will. Like we never saw that in the book as far as like the the uh boxing and all that other silliness and so i understand why but it's interesting to see it so i'm I'm, i was happy with the episode and i'm hoping everyone keeps up with the journey yeah there was a a question about someone on twitter asked jack thorne directly why wasn't the, the the dead fish with tony mccario slash billy costa in the episode and he said we shot it we had it filmed it just didn't work and he was like some things just don't work but he was but he also expressed how big of a fan of that part of the book he was so he under you know he 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 gets it and and that's sometimes all you you want to know is that they get it and that they tried like with the with the goose with Serafina Pecola's she should her demon in the book is a snow goose but they couldn't make it work they couldn't make these these animals have to talk and snow goose has a big giant dumb beak and we can't make the big giant dumb beak talk without you know people you don't want people chuckling like you don't want me chuckling when tony when billy casa falls falls in on his face in the snow when it's supposed to be the serious moment i doubt they thought you know idiots idiot like me would find that funny but you oh, they would because but you don't, they would you have backed in accidentally into like the goose game. You don't want to distract the audience with, you know. And I trust that yeah. it just didn't look right, and they changed it to a hawk. People were upset, and I and I get because you know I don't want canon to be changed, especially for no reason. But there was a reason, and mm-hmm. it fits better anyway. Snow goose is stupid. Yeah, like what's regal and majestic about a big dumb snow goose? With a big stupid banana beak. <laughs> uh. <laughs> exactly. So Kaiser is majestic and and all that. Maybe they could have. No, he's fine as a Griffin Hawk or whatever the heck he's called. Yeah. So. So anyway, those are all the ways to get at us at Ddust Podcast, Ddust Podcast at Gmail dot com. Voicemail seven eight seven five two two nine. Please contact us. Talk to us. Reach out and touch us. Um, yeah until uh, next week I don't know the episode uh, the name of episode 6 the breakout I don't know the escape probably something along those lines should probably prep before I get to this part of the episode every week (laughs) (laughs) Uh, by episode 8 I'll have yeah it'll be well, I have gotten it all down pat. So, until next time, folks, cross over into our world next week and join us once again. For Rich, I'm Travis. Talk to you next time. Thanks. The Demon Dust Podcast is hosted by Travis Bryant and Rich Fan the Second and is produced by Cameron Hawkins for the South Congress Podcast Network.